I'm Alex Melaris. And I'm Tai Fu. And today is Sunday, March 27th, which means that we are six days removed from the trade deadline. So the dust has settled, and normally, I feel like with, with trade deadlines, it may be uh, best advised to talk about the deals immediately after, or like a day after, two days after, so it's still all fresh and everyone's still excited about them, and they haven't heard fresh new opinions. But I feel like this year was the extremely rare instance where it was it actually turned out for the better that we waited because there was one trade that took like what was it three days four days to officially not happen and that was hanging in the air of course this is the Evgeny Dadanov and a second round pick not traded from Vegas to Anaheim not an exchange for Ryan Kessler and not John Moore um, this is the this was weird. Everyone knows all about it at this point. Um, but I was actually just telling Taisei that I have uh, a fresh new angle on it from my expert perspective that I actually haven't seen anyone talking about yet. Uh, but we'll get to it after we get through some of the more basic details uh, and basic criticisms of the parties involved. Right. Uh, so it's uh, kind of devolved into a, a, big sa- a big saga, like who said what and uh, why did everything get derailed? Uh, because uh, in essence, Vegas tried to trade a guy to a team that was on the guy's no trade list. Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, Dodonov had submitted his uh, no trade list back in like fucking July uh, and it had Anaheim on it. Except uh, I think since then, uh, he had been traded from the Sens and, you know, that was a whole shebang. But then the Sens didn't, may or may not have communicated the contents of that no trade list to Vegas or the league. And so both of those parties thought, hey, he probably doesn't have a no trade list anymore. And they just kind of vibe with that uh, until, until you know, the other day. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Vegas tries to make the trade. The league fucking clears it. Uh, and then uh, basically Dodonov's agent says, hold up. Uh, he doesn't want to go there. We we sent the list in. And uh yeah, yeah. The, we, there was a whole trade approved. Everybody was talking about it. Like, uh, oh shit, you know, Dadanov. Uh, they they just acquired him last year. Now they're dumping him and adding a second round pick. Uh, but uh, not to be. And uh, everybody everybody looks pretty uh, foolish. I gotta say, if you're uh, if you're Vegas and if you're the the NHL, not knowing what's going on. Absolutely, everyone's mostly dumping on Vegas, and rightfully so. And there's, you know, some shade going to Ottawa, which I think is actually less deserved on Ottawa's part because they were, they should, they were, I mean, maybe partially responsible, but not not for this. I don't see enough criticism going directly to the National Hockey League itself, and particularly Central Registry, where trades get filed. And not only that, but where, where trades have to sit for, you know, a, a, enough time that we get trades that were, in line at 3 p.m. that aren't even becoming public until like an hour and a half later. Uh, so they are spending a significant amount of time looking at these deals on deadline day and, you know, all the other, all the rest of the time, making sure that there's nothing wrong with them. And there almost never is. The only time recently I can think of, of a trade getting nullified uh, was a very complicated three-way trade back in like uh, 2018 or 2019, I think. Uh, yeah, 2018, involving a uh, Derek Brassard going from Ottawa to Pittsburgh, and it was a three-way trade. There was some other uh, team involved with it. I don't remember, but basically it got nulled because, like, well, somewhere along the way, uh, one team wasn't giving anything back to another team. So they were like, no, try again. And they did, and they figured it out. This time, though, 
it did not get voided uh, because I don't know what what are they even looking at a central registry if they don't bother to check to make sure that a team is not on a player's no trade clause like you're looking at salary cap implications is that it I get the feeling that on on deadline day this year that was it because I have no idea how it can totally fly over central registry's head that uh, this player has uh, a modified no trade no trade clause and you don't even check to see what teams are on there until the player or the agent has to bring it up after the fact so yeah that that, that, that there's the first body that I'm criticizing today all right yeah no absolutely I think the central registry also deserves some criticism at least I, at least that's what I was thinking at the moment because uh What's with this whole taking so long after 3 p.m. thing? Um, like, I get, you know, looking rigorously through these trades. But I think I heard on, like, 32 Thoughts the other day that, you know, there was, like, a, a long queue of trade calls that were waiting to occur. And I'm like, how does that happen? You know, like, <laughs> it seems like such an antiquated system. It's probably, like, you know, Gary from accounting, uh, like, taking the call one by one and then, like, clicking around on Cap Friendly. I Like, why is it taking so long? Um, and, like, why is there a queue? I feel like they should have a more modern system than, you know, a literal physical call that, you know, ends up in mistakes such as this one. Uh, so, yeah, the, the speed certainly leaves something to be desired um and it just doesn't look like it doesn't seem like the league has their shit together if you have a queue of like 10 fucking teams on like you know like using their rotary phones trying to dial central registry and not being able to connect because you know the all their service agents are filled or whatever the hell it is uh and uh and, and yeah like what what else are you looking for here um you know did you not do the background check like yeah you would assume that a no trade list would be, uh, you know, one of the first things that you check. Uh, and then you see that, oh, he had one before. Oh, why doesn't he have one now? And then maybe look into that since you, you know, be seem, you know, seem to be taking your sweet time uh, at these things. So, yeah, makes you makes you wonder um, when it comes to the league. And they they, they should get uh, a decent amount of flack because uh, at the end of the day, it just it's all the more Bush League kind of appearance uh, for the NHL when they, they're out here approving trades that don't make any sense. Um, they should, they, at the end of the day, the buck stops with them. They should have an idea of what's going on uh, and, and you know, trades and whatnot, make sure they're legal. Uh, so, you know, they're clouding there. Uh, yeah, and, and the other party, I guess, is... Wait, uh, before yep. we move on to the other party, yep. I just I wanted to point out uh, um, that I never really actually was bothered by, like, how long it took because I assumed that they were verifying that the trade was okay. And now that I know that they weren't even doing that properly, that's kind of what makes the, the you know, the amount of time that we have to wait is all the more baffling. And like, I, is it really just like one guy sitting there being like, all right, looks good. Or like a group of people. I don't, uh, I think Chris Johnston said that at some point, Yarmo Kekalainen was like, oh, there are like 33 trades in the queue after 3 PM or something. Everyone's like, what? But that obviously was an exaggeration. Uh, kind of just, you know, bothered how long it was taking, I guess, to process the Max Domi trade. Um, but yeah, as you say, there's absolutely no reason that you w- wouldn't have, especially on deadline day, at least like, I don't know, five different phone lines have things move a little quicker. <laughs> right. Yeah. I can just imagine these GMs, you know, they get the, they're, they're getting put on hold. They're listening to the music um, because... <laughs> <laughs> It's between focus at the trade deadline, uh, and, <laughs> like, and you know you're waiting to make a trade. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's pretty absurd, and you would expect that you know maybe the league should have some sort of software that deals with this at the very least. I don't know. 
figure it out. Mm-hmm. It seems like they're frustrated from the 80s. You know, you got to call the guy. You got to call him on the phone. You can't send him a text or anything. Uh, it's uh, it's wild. That's it's wild to me. Yeah. Um. So I guess well, I'll do what you were go- going to do, which is move on to the next body to be criticized, which is the Vegas Golden Knights themselves. And from what I understand, uh, the deal is um, Evgeny Dadanov was on the Senators and he appropriately gave them his 10-team no-trade list back in on July 1st, 2021. Uh, and that list included the Ducks. Uh, and it did not include Vegas. So a couple weeks later, he was traded to Vegas. And I'm pretty sure it says in the CBA that a player with a modified no-trade clause of any kind should file the list to his team on July 1st. Or maybe, you know, in recent years, that data's shifted around for obvious reasons. But, th- but that's the idea. Uh, and then all of a sudden, when his team becomes a different team a couple weeks later, uh, what Vegas is thinking is, well, we're his team, and he never gave us the a no-trade list. So we'll just kind of, you know, stay super quiet about it, even though there's uh, no reason in the world that we wouldn't, you know, have an idea that he could have slash should have given us a list and just try to uh, trade him wherever we want without really telling him, which is a very sleazy thing to do, to put it nicely. Uh, On the other hand, they are also saying, well, how is it our responsibility to go and get the no trade list from our new player? Either he should have given it to us or the old team should have transferred it to us. Uh, And Ottawa didn't do that. And Dodonov didn't do that. So now we are free to send him wherever we want, which, as we have learned now, is absolutely not the case. Right. Yeah, sticking your head in the sand uh, doesn't solve the issue at hand. Uh, that's what we learned from Vegas here. And, yeah, they, they clearly did not do their due diligence, and, it and you know, it kind of screwed them over. They did and decided to ignore it. Right, exactly. Either or, they look like clowns. Um, now, will they live to see the consequences? Remains to be seen. Uh, will they make the playoffs? Remains to be seen as well. Uh, so, you know, Dadanov, we'll talk about it. He's had a little great little stretch. Uh, he seems to be motivated uh, by his, uh, you know, avoided trade. Um, but And now they put Riley Smith on waivers. Uh, not waivers, but LTIR. So maybe their cap situation is sorted out. But I just want to point out just how like how badly um, they've bungled their assets with Evgeny Dadanov. And we knew it was a bad trade, for, you know, from day one. We did not like it because, yeah, he wasn't very good with Ottawa. And you're out here giving up, you know, like, what was it, Nick Holden and, and like a third-round pick. And, you know, <laughs> everybody saw this coming. Nobody thought it was a good acquisition. You know, they got all that cap space, you know, getting rid of basically their starting goalie in Flurry, only to use that cap space to invest in a, uh, a you know, pretty shitty middle six forward. And look at that. If, if it had gone through, they would have basically paid a third, a second, and Nick Holden for the privilege of having Evgeny Dadanov be bad for, you know, five months. Yeah, that definitely is a part of the deal that has been glossed over, I think. People, you know, talked extensively, we did, about how that trade, you know, that move to fill up almost all of Fleury's, you know, uh, empty cap space with Evgeny Dadanov uh, was not advisable. But I think not enough people are talking about the fact that if this trade had gone through with the Ducks, that would have been a terrible deal for Vegas. So in some ways, they are they are lucky that it didn't. Uh, obviously, the downside is that now you're 
uh, just outside the a playoff spot, and you Mark Stone is stuck on LTIR, so that doesn't help. Um, but I think we were talking a couple of weeks ago. Uh, like you know, too bad. Like Dadenov, you know, he's overpaid. He's not a bum. He's a valuable contributor, and Vegas should be good enough to make the playoffs. And when when you're there, you'd much rather have Dadenov on your team uh, than off it. Of course, what makes that more complicated now is that they've been terrible for the past month at least, and making the playoffs is unlikely now. Right. So they they leave themselves in a uh, weird situation, right? It's like you like you know. First of all, they look foolish um, in in all in all aspects, but also you know like <laughs> they are they better off because they seem to be fine with keeping him. They seem to have figured it out with the cap, but also you know they might just miss the playoffs. And, like, you know, they're statistically likely to just go ahead and miss the whole playoffs after, you know, acquiring Jack Eichel and whatnot and having a great team that was supposed to win the Cup this year. Uh, and, you know, they just might miss the whole thing. And <laughs> that would make them losers. Uh, you know, you, you don't even need to think twice about it. So, uh, you know, Vegas in a, in, a, in a weird scenario, I got to say. But, you know what? Maybe at the end of the day, if they sneak into the playoffs uh, by, like, one point, you can say it was because, you know, the Nano scored in the... Uh, in overtime against Chicago yesterday. Here's um, here's my uh, my thing about this. As we all know, uh, you can indeed make trades after the trade deadline. The only stipulation is that the players involved in the trade can't play for their new teams at all for the rest of the season, uh, including the regular season and the playoffs. Uh, which leads me to, why would Vegas be opposed Perhaps they are now, since Dadanov is, like, great all of a sudden. Or had, like, two games that are above his average or whatever. Um, but why wouldn't they want to continue trying to trade him to another team? I'm just I'm looking at the bottom of Cap Friendly, teams with plenty of cap room. Here's one. The Seattle Kraken. Current cap space, $47 million. <laughs> they could get, get Dadanov in there very easily. He signed for another year after this. Um... And they're going to need all the players they can get uh, next season. They've got a, how many? Here's how many forwards they have under contract next year that are on their roster right now. The answer is six. So I'm sure they wouldn't mind acquiring Dadnov, even if he couldn't play for them for the rest of the season. And based on what just happened with the Ducks, Vegas has even less leverage now than they had before. So they might even be able uh, to get something better than a second round pick. So if I'm a team like the Kraken or any other team that's uh, trying to acquire futures with plenty of cap room i'm still to this day calling vegas saying hey we can take uh, some of that big money off your hands but it seems like no one's uh no one's really counting that in as a possibility yeah i feel like there's been some chit chatter about it i think more than usual because of this scenario we've heard like people talking about you know post trade deadline trades what does that mean for the player what does that mean for the teams um but yeah i think with vegas it's uh it's, it's tricky to tell if they want to make that deal um, because obviously if you're offered that same deal, okay, you have a second round pick, you probably, you know, you don't play twice, you send them away. Who cares about, you know, fucking two game sample size, right? Uh, but I think, you know, teams know that the teams with the cap space have all the leverage now with Vegas, right? Um, so, and, you know, Vegas has shown their hand, they want to get rid of him, uh, and they're willing to pay at least a second round pick, and you would assume more now that, you know, the, the you know, it's basically the, the number of teams is kind of narrowed, and so they're kind of at the mercy. And if I think Vegas can, you know, tells themselves, hey, we can, you know, with Riley Smith on the LTIR, we can probably, like, you know, just scrape by in terms of cap hit till the rest of the season. Um, I think they'd probably choose that over, 
maybe giving up a second and another pick or even maybe a first if you know teams are really looking for that. I you say that all the other teams have the leverage. I I don't think it's maybe as extreme as you're making it out to be because you know, if you have a decent amount of suitors for Dadanov, then basically all you need is one of them to say, ah, we're happy with just the second round pick and boom, it's done. Uh, I feel like that tends to happen in some situations where you think that uh, one team doesn't have a lot of leverage, but actually for whatever they're trading, there are many suitors and all it takes is one of them to kind of capitulate to the original offer and uh, then, then you're good. Yeah, but you know, there's also another season on the books with Dadanov at you know whatever his cap hit is. What is it like five? Is that right? I think it's um, five, five yeah. on the dot. Yikes! Um, so you know, this is not just the end of season thing. Uh, you're gonna have to play with this guy, you know, on your roster next season too. So, yeah, I, I can see the price going up, and but we'll see. We'll see. I, I, you're right though. It, it is a distinct poss- possibility right now, um, because yeah, they they leave that door open because it's possible, and it's clear they don't want him. You know, so. There's that. Mm-hmm. If you have to guess, do does Vegas make the playoffs? Does Vegas make the playoffs? Uh, I'm going to say <laughs> it's not looking good right now uh, with, what, three games? Dallas has got three games in hand on them right now. I'm going to say I'm going to say no. no. I have no faith in Dallas, but I think, you know, they can just squeak by, you know, like hang on by the, the, the skin of their fingernails or whatever. What about you? Skin of their fingernails. I've never heard that one before. Well, I just made it up. Uh, That's how thin it is. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna be the contrarian, and say that Vegas will make the playoffs. Uh, I think that this Dadnov fiasco has somehow accidentally inspired them to get good or whatever. Uh, since deadline day, they have well, they lost the day after, and then they won six one. Then five four. Oh, that's not as impressive as I thought. They're just two exactly. months since the <laughs> Exactly, and they were they, they were losing three nothing to Chicago. Fucking Chicago okay. post deadline. That's, that's what we're dealing right. with here. Ooh, but looking ahead, their schedule upcoming. They're playing the Kraken twice, and then Vancouver twice, then Arizona, then Vancouver again. So that's pretty easy upcoming stretch, relatively speaking. They've got the chance to make up uh, some pretty significant ground during that time. And Dallas, as we know, is very prone to cold stretches. So I'm going to I'm gonna lay my bed in the sand, as they say. As they say. And, as they say, and say that Vegas is making the playoffs. All right. That's that's your hot take. Um, yeah. Hey, they could make up the ground, or they could just not. They could just lie down and lose. Uh, so, you know. Viable options. That's right. So we'll see. Uh, we, we'll probably do a standings check later on uh, because it's uh, really, really heating up in the West there compared to the East. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Any, any other thoughts on the uh, the Dadanov saga? Um, none. I think we pretty much uh, ran it dry. Uh, and I, a lot of people are like trying to one final thing, trying to you know dump blame on the Senators for this. And I could see how maybe Ottawa kind of should have said something. Uh, but really, I'm of the mindset that once you trade the player away, how is it at all your responsibility to make sure the other teams are up to date on the stipulations of the contract? Like, that's your player now. You read the contract. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you trade the guy away, you know, if they want information, they can come and ask. Uh, not not their problem anymore. Uh, so, you know, eh. I, and I'm, 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 I'm fine with, you know, Ottawa fucking around. Re- seemingly, uh, you know, keeping back some information intentionally or not from Vegas and the league. Like, they fooled the league, too. Like, you know what? 
I give props to Ottawa because they gave us this whole kind of funny scenario to laugh at. Yeah, so, thanks for your confidence, Pierre. There we go. That's right. Uh, so thank you for the content. And Eugene. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, we can get into uh, the other deadline, the trade that actually happened that didn't get voided by the league. Um, all right. Wh- where do we start? Any, 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 you can choose. Take your pick. Uh, let's, let's start with the, the one three-way trade, yep. the double cap retention situation, uh, which involved Max Domi going from Columbus through Florida on his way to Carolina. This was a very interesting one. And actually, at first, I, I thought there had been some kind of mistake and that Max Domi was actually going to Florida and that he was going to join that stacked forward group that had just you know added Claude Giroux. Obviously, that's not the case. Um, but this is a very interesting rental for Carolina in that they had to give up almost nothing or almost nothing compared to other players of equal caliber to Max Domi. And the, the reasons for that are, well, I, the main reason is that he's apparently a shithead. Uh, and <laughs> he, he yeah. falls out of favor extremely quickly uh, with most coaches. It wasn't much of a problem in Arizona because they changed coaches pretty frequently. He lasted two seasons in Montreal. He lasted like less than a season in Columbus before he started getting a healthy scratch, but on the fourth line, uh, he does not play much, even though... His actual on-ice uh, results are not that bad, uh, and he's a, a very good playmaker. So I guess Carolina's kind of hoping that uh, uh, that he's you know gonna stop being a shithead now. They kind of <laughs> thought that with same logic sort of applies to Tony D'Angelo, who no one seems to ever talk about him being annoying because he's uh, got a lot of points. Although I'm sure that he still is. Uh, Max Domi is listed right now on the fourth line with uh, Jesperi Kotkaniemi and Derek Stepan. So uh, a couple former Habs and Derek Stepan reuniting there. Uh, I think, I mean, I would not have made this deal because my opinions on Max Domi are well known. If you didn't know, then you probably just learned. Uh, But I can see where they're coming from and that this is a player with high upside that they barely had to give up anything to get. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's fine as an acquisition. Uh, but yeah, it, this is like the one time or it's the rare occasion where like, you know, intangibles intangibles probably play that role uh, that, you know, people say they do. Uh, because if he's a piece of shit um, and he can't gel with the team, he's probably not going to do very well. Um, so, you know, and I completely buy it. He, he does give piece of shit vibes uh, in, in a general sense for Max Nomi. So we shall see if he rubs, uh, you know, Rod Brindamore the wrong way. Or maybe he'll get buddy-buddy with his uh, friend Tony D'Angelo and he'll be just fine because he's got a, you know, a right-wing buddy on the team for once. For once. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but uh, but anyways, um, as for the other teams, uh, Florida, you know, free sixth-round pick. Can't complain. Can't complain. Uh, and Korshkov. There we go. So uh, quality from the Panthers just, you know, they had salary room, so why the hell not? You know, there's I see no problem with it. Uh, even if it is an interconference, you know, playoff rival, somebody was gonna do it, so why not just you know raise your hand, take the free stuff. Uh, and uh, for the Blue Jackets, yeah, it's it's all right. What is it, Aiden Preshuk? Uh, was it like a third round pick last year? So it's basically a third round pick for Max Domi. They probably want more. It's kind of underwhelming for them, but 
You know, <laughs> you're trading away with a piece of a guy with a reputation like that, probably not going to get as much as you want. Uh, and yeah, the Hurricanes, you know, kind of an underwhelming deadline for them compared considering what the other contenders did. Uh, but not not a bad deal here by any means. Yeah, I think there's a significant chance that Max Domi's, you know, annoying behavior or whatever is less prominent on Carolina just because on all his other teams, he was kind of, he kind of arrived as like a de facto offensive player. Like, you know, high pick in, in Arizona and they want him to grow into the superstar. Doesn't work, obviously. He comes to Montreal. He's the first line center right away. He goes to Columbus. He's like, you know, playing in the top six. He goes to Carolina right away. They're like, get on the fourth line. I feel like that totally, that sets up uh, a different energy in the locker room where whatever the, you know, dominant vibe there of the Carolina team that's been so successful and probably runs through, you know, guys like Aho and Slavin and Terabon and Sveshnikov. I could, I could possibly see Max Domi not having as big of an effect as he has on his previous teams. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely understand. He's not put in a leadership role. He's also not important in the locker room as a player, right? Like, okay, nobody cares what the fourth liner says. But on the other hand, you know, a shithead can bring the room down. Uh, you know, even no matter how insignificant, one one asshat can ruin the vibe. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we, it's impossible to tell without firsthand accounts uh, of, of uh, the Max Domi experience. Uh, but, you know, it could go either way. You know, you just we just might never hear from the guy again because he's just a fourth liner for the rest of the season. Um, or, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes completely implode because they added Max Domi. Uh, those are two complete extremes, uh, especially the latter one. But, you know, they, remi- they remain in the realm of possibility. Yeah. Um, actually, I there was a theory, I don't remember. Uh, one of the guys on Puck Soup mentioned when it was brought up, like, why would Florida want to help this, this team acquire a player? Uh, and the thought was... Uh, maybe they're like, you know, you want Max fucking Domi? Go right Let me help you out there. I'm sure that's going to be such a major help to you and your playoff chances. <laughs> yeah, Florida didn't. They, they, yeah, no, they, they didn't care about the six round. They didn't care about Hugo Korshkov. They just they wanted the Hurricanes to have Max Domi. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm here for that timeline as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next, why don't we talk about the Avalanche? Who I think are the the winners of the deadline. There, I said it. Wow. Uh, I think they they made three moves, and I think they were all uh, r- ranging from good to very good. But uh, where they really are the winners is that all three players they acquired, I think, were exactly what the lineup called for and exactly what they needed. And now you look at their team when it's fully healthy. I think it's practically flawless. Uh, last year. We were talking about Colorado being a big loser of the deadline because um, Francois was injured. Grubauer is very good, but he was getting tired. And for goaltending a supplement, they went out and got a Devin Dubnik instead of the many other goalies that were available on the market last year, if, if memory serves. Uh, this year, goaltending is stable. Uh, they got Josh Manson, of course, uh, like, what was it? A little over a week ago, two weeks ago, I guess, at this point. Uh, and I talked about it. I think that's a perfect fit. And then uh, two bottom six wingers. First of all, Arturi Lekkanen, uh, most famous Montreal Canadiens goal of all time. Now, that's an exaggeration, but he, he of course, scored uh, that uh, goal to send him to the Stanley Cup Finals last summer. So everyone's going to miss him here. I won't tell that story again about when they drafted him. And I was like, that's why I wanted them to draft 55th overall. I won't tell that story for the 11th time. But Habs fans will be sad to see him go. 
uh, and they did get quite a haul for him. Justin Barron, 25th overall pick from 2020, is actually making his Habs debut right at this very moment against the Devils, and a second-round pick. Uh, and in the lead-up to the deadline, I think Pierre Lebrun was like, oh, I'm getting the sense there's like a 50-50 chance that Lekkonen gets traded. Montreal's ask is uh, a first-round pick. Uh, it's, it's very high. They'll see if anyone's willing to, to step up. And I kind of had it in my head, like, Lekkonen is exactly the type of player that someone's going to get out first-round pick or equivalent for. Justin Barron, pretty much first-round equivalent. And even if he isn't quite there, the, they threw in the second-round pick. A pretty Made it very hard for Montreal to say no. Yeah, this was like a first-round pick. Uh, caliber return, absolutely. Um, you know, for the Avalanche, uh, you know, Lekkonen's been... Probably having the best season of his career this year, uh, you know, analytically. Miraculously. Uh, yeah, no, no, he's really been uh, one of the only bright spots. Even under Ducharme, uh, he was, you know, he he, he was a, like he drove play, uh, which you couldn't say about basically 95% of the other forwards on that team. Um, and yeah, he just managed to consistently outperform his teammates uh, and just be an all-around great player as a middle six. Uh, as a middle six guy, uh, his role gets, you know, his responsibilities reduce even more on a stacked avalanche team. Um, so you can only expect to, you know, have him play better against weaker competition. Um, so, you know, as for the avalanche, yeah, it's a, it's a great addition for them. Uh, you supplement that ridiculous forward core with even more depth, a guy who, uh, not only that, he's an RFA at the end of this year. Um, he's not old by any means, he's only like 26 or something. Uh, and yeah, so there's more team control at, even after the end of the season. So it's not just a, a pure rental, right? Um, so so that's 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 good for the Avalanche. I think that's a great acquisition. The the, the team control is a uh, is a big aspect uh, for a guy who's uh, you know was was solid talent in Lekkonen. Uh And yeah, for the Habs, it's really you know the signal of a rebuild because. This guy's not old. He's not like 29 years old. He's 26. Uh, you know, they could have very, very realistically paid this guy like a six-year deal, a seven-year deal. And would we be surprised? No. Would it have been the right move? Probably not. Um, but we wouldn't have been surprised. Um, but uh, no, instead they said, you know, he's probably not He's probably not going to help us in our next contending window. Uh, they were willing to recognize that, and they got a very good haul for it. Um, you know, Barron has top four defensive potential. And uh, as a, as a right-handed defenseman, you get an extra second-round pick. Uh, I like it uh, for for both teams. Perhaps even more for the Avalanche because they get the team control next year. Yeah. Uh, one interesting thing with Lekkonen is that he actually hasn't played for Colorado yet. There's some kind of immigration problem. Did you oh. see this? No, I didn't. Yeah. Um. There. Uh, there's some kind of immigration paperwork that's like some kind of holdup. I guess it could happen. Switching teams from from Canada to the U S when okay. you're Finnish. Uh, so he actually has not played for Colorado yet. Uh, but you know who has the other guy they acquired, Andrew Cogliano, who we've actually talked about recently and his Ironman streak getting broken by that two game suspension a couple years ago. Uh, but he is now on Colorado. And I'd say at this point in his career, he, his role is very effective fourth liner. And I was talking about Colorado's depth and how, you know, Darren Helms in the lineup all the time. And you got like Abe Kubel and Logan O'Connor are regulars. And is this really how you want to go into the playoffs? Well, Cogliano helps out that situation. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's, it's great depth. What was the return that they gave up? It was like a fifth? Um, Something, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty cheap. 
All right, so there we go. It's it's your it's your typical you know depth forward acquisition. Um, and you know in some cases teams will will make a bunch of those and be like, all right, that's it, we're done, we're set for the playoffs. Um, and you know that that's when it kind of sucks. Um, but with Colorado, it you know they did their work, they got the Manson, they got the Lightning, uh, and this is just a, a nice add on. You know, great depth. So uh, you know there's there's nothing wrong with a fifth round pick. Who cares? Those almost never hit. Uh, so you know, good for Colorado. You know. And it wasn't just any fifth. It was the 2024 fifth round pick. And he was half retained on the $1 million, So he's only $500,000 uh, cap it. Well, there which we is, go. you know, prorated. So. Even 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 less meaningful. Uh, and, you know, just for the stretch run, I think, you know, Landis Gog is out for the rest of the season. So, you know, he gets, he gets some more importance in the lineup. And, uh, you know, it's, it's an all-around dub for the Avalanche. Yep. Uh, absolutely great deadline. And from... For the Lekkonen trade, from Montreal's point of view, uh, Justin Barron, uh, some might rem- he was on the, the 2021 Team Canada World Junior Team. He started his draft year like as like a top 10 potential player and, and slipped throughout that year. I was, by the end of his draft year, not that high on him. And I think even when Colorado drafted him 25th, I was like, seems a bit high for this guy. Uh, and... I still, I'm not convinced that he's like, you know, a slam dunk top four defenseman or definitely not, you know, a top pairing defenseman or anything. Um, but I think that the tools are definitely there that I'd be surprised if he didn't grow into like at least as valuable a player as Lackanen was, um, or at least he projects around that range, obviously at a different position. Uh, and there's a second round pick on top of it. So you know, I know the tendency is to go, Montreal got a recent first-round pick uh, for, for Lekkonen. That's great. Um, he was a late first-rounder. Yeah. And I – so, you know, it's – it's uh, basically, let, let's put it this way. Uh, I think someone – Scott Wheeler maybe or someone on The Athletic said he was, like, the ranked ninth best Colorado prospect, which is, I think, maybe it's, even that's a, a bit low. But it's not like this is uh, – so some budding superstar, right? No, it's it's not a blue chip guy. He's just a, a solid first round prospect, and you know, yeah, that's it. A first round prospect, especially in the late rounds, they have a uh, you know a lower a lower hit rate than one might think. Uh, and so yeah, he's taken some positive steps in the last two years uh, in terms of the development. Uh, but you know, I think if <laughs> if he turns out as good as Lekkonen has, especially this year, you're 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 over the moon uh, because you know Lekkonen brought a ton of value and. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, you had the second round pick. It's a, it's a decent return for sure. And it's the right move just selling him uh, and getting those assets when this is probably the peak of his value, right, Lekkonen? So uh, as, as a as a yeah. red, yeah, so this, this is good for them. The other thing Montreal did on deadline day was trade Brett Kulak, sadly, to the Oilers in exchange for, and I actually thought this return it didn't get much, much traction, was kind of more impressive than the Lekkonen one uh, because I wasn't really hearing anything on like Kulak and I was like oh are they really going to like hold on to Kulak pending UFA? Then thank you Ken Holland for stepping up and giving uh, a second, a seventh and William Lagason, who is barely any worse than Brett Kulak in my opinion. Maybe you're a bit low on Brett Kulak. Uh, the analytics seem to like him. He's a pretty good you know puck mover. He's uh, fine as a bottom four guy. So, you know, I think William Lagason is a non-roster kind of player on a playoff team. Um, but, 
Uh, certainly, the upgrade is not worth a second and a seventh. I'll tell you that. Uh, would not give a seventh. <laughs> would not give up a seventh a second for uh, Brett Kulak. Um, so yeah. Uh, as for Edmonton, um, you know they get defensive depth, but you know they also got Derek Brassard, right? Not a great haul. Not a great haul if you're trying to support, uh, you know, McDavid and Drysaddle as they head into the playoffs. Uh, they're still fighting for a playoff spot, not completely secured. They're they're in one right now. Uh, but you know. <laughs> you know, you're, you're giving up a second, a seventh. You also give up a fourth in the Broussard trade. Uh, and that's all you do, you know? Uh, and you, you basically depth at this point, right? Gulak is, is not a top four guy. He's a depth dude. A good depth piece, certainly. Uh, a smart acquisition, uh, one might say. But not at the price and not when. Uh, like I was just saying about Colorado. I was talking about the other example, you know, teams that, that you know, do small trades and then call it a day, right? Um Especially when you have holes like Edmonton's roster. It uh, seems like that's what Ken Holland did. And uh, not great, I got to say. Yeah. Uh, to be clear, I do realize that Brett Kulak is significantly better than William Lagason. I guess what I was going for is I, I'm very weirded out by these deals. Like like this one, where from the perspective of the Oilers, who are buying, they go, William Lagason is playing on our bottom pairing, and he's not that good. Let's give up an entire second round and seventh round pick just to swap out this third pairing left shot defenseman for one that's better. Uh, it feels like a, a strange kind of deal to give up a roster player in. Even uh, the Penguins and the Ricardo Kell trade, that was not an intentional segue, it just made me think of it. Giving up Zach Aston Reese and Dominic Simon for Ricardo Raquel, who I know Ricardo Raquel is significantly better than both of those players. But especially like giving up Zach Aston Reese, who's been, you know, a very key part of their penalty kill, one of the best defensive forwards in the NHL pretty much, uh, for someone like that feels like uh, an odd decision. And that for a team like Pittsburgh, it would make more sense to give up a prospect or picks that are of equal value. Right. Uh, if we're talking about, you know, Pittsburgh now. Um yeah, absolutely. I think from what I read, it's it's both of those players. Yeah, they're roster players, but they just weren't having, you know, they weren't just kind of fitting in the lineup anymore. Um, so obviously, there seems like they were selling them at a low. You don't love that, especially, as you mentioned, for Aston Reese. Um, but, you know, I can see why. I'm not sure what the cap situation is. So maybe, you know, they needed a money in, money out kind of thing um, to, to fit Raquel into the cap. Um, so maybe that was it. And then, you know, you have those two guys. They just you know, we're the odd people out. It happens. Um, but, you know, you, you, you don't love it from an asset management perspective where you have like a, a, you know, a very good defensive forward in Aston Reese who, you know, that you just, you, he becomes a kind of a, a dump. Um, as for that trade, you know, they also gave up a goalie prospect. I'm not sure how good he is. Kelly Klang um, seems to be. He's a third rounder. He's, he's, a, he, he's all right. Yeah. I read he's got like high backup potential. So like, sure. Fine. Uh, and also a second round pick. Um, so that's like, you know, for Anaheim, that's, that's a fine return, you know, second round pick solid. You think what you will about, you know, Cali Clang, uh, Aston Reese and Simone won't help them in the long run, but they're players. So, and I'm not sure what the contact situation is, uh, but for Pittsburgh, uh, you know, Raquel won't have to, he'll have a better supporting cast than he did in Anaheim. Uh, and he seemed to, you know, had a good season, you know, playing with Trevor Zegers. So he likely can't drive his own play but does well with a better supporting cast, which you'll definitely see in Pittsburgh. Well, he definitely doesn't need to drive play much playing on the line with Evgeny Malkin and Brian Rust, as he's doing presently. And, uh, you know, I guess maybe with the way Pittsburgh's forwards are shaping up now, I was just, you know, 
crying about how they gave up a great defensive forward. Didn't seem to matter much today when they beat the Red Wings 11-2. to So maybe Raquel is, you know, exactly the perfect piece and the perfect spot for this Penguins team that is going to uh, march to a Stanley Cup. As they do, yes, absolutely. Uh, looking at their cap space right now, uh, looks like it's four point seven six million currently. So they probably did not need to get rid of uh, Zach Gastonis. So there it is. Uh, so yeah, that's a you know solid addition. Get some scoring boost for Pittsburgh, and uh, yeah, not sure what to make of them. Did they do anything else uh, over the course? I don't think so. Right, it was just kind of Raquel, and that was yeah. It. Pittsburgh that was their one deal basically. Huh. So, yeah, it's a big one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but, you know, <laughs> feels weird to count them out. Uh, but I feel like I would take any of the top four Atlantic teams over them. I don't know. Um, so, you know, that's that. All right, let's talk about the Rangers now. This was this was a very weird one um, because they bought uh, intently and they bought three players. And I'm not such a big fan of any of these players. Justin Braun, they acquired, uh, who is a third-pairing defenseman that, for the time being, kind of just nudged the younger Braden Schneider out of the lineup. And Braun probably is better than Schneider right now, so that kind of makes sense. Uh, they got Tyler Mott, who is a fourth-liner, unlike their previous fourth-liners, who were all or mostly AHL-caliber players, so that's decidedly an upgrade. Uh, and Andrew Kopp was the big one. And they gave up a a lot to get Andrew Kopp of all people. Um, they gave up two second round picks, one of which could turn into a first if the Rangers uh, make it to round three, and also fifth round pick, and also prospect Morgan Barron, who is probably nothing too special, but could maybe become like a bottom six center. Uh, but that's a lot to give up. That's, yes, Justin Barron's brother. About him. <laughs> yeah, they were both traded on the same day. Uh, kind of strange. Um, and I know this is a small thing to get nitpicky about. Um, but they also acquired Frank Vitrano from the Panthers uh, earlier in the week, as we mentioned. Um, but one weird thing with the Rangers is that they are very left shot. And I guess, more, no, not left shot, but like left wing heavy in their forward group. Uh, Artemi Panarin... Chris Kreider, Alexi Lafreniere are all natural left wingers. You know who was not was Pavel Buchnevich, who they traded away to St. Louis. Uh, and what that means is, first of all, Alexi Lafreniere has had to play on his off wing a lot this year. And I don't have firsthand knowledge on whether that served him well or not. But either way, he's not used to it. And it also means that Frank Vetrano, who shoots left and mostly plays the left wing, is playing on the right wing now. It means that Andrew Kopp, right away after they acquired him, who is listed as a center-slash-left winger, is playing on the right wing. It means uh, left-shooting Barkley Goudreau, who who uh, has mostly played the left wing in his career, is also playing on the right wing. And so it feels very strange to me that the Rangers, um, when you know someone like Ricard Raquel was on the market, or several other forwards who naturally play the right wing, and that's the glaring need in your forward group that you would specifically target Andrew Kopp and Tyler Mott, who don't naturally play that position. Yeah, it, it is a weird oversight, eh? Like, <laughs> it's like it kind of gives a vibe of like you're not looking what's on the ice, uh, because uh, yeah, you don't want that kind of you know. Ideally, you don't have players playing on the off wing, uh, and you can optimize their performance. Um, so 
Yeah, yeah, a little, a little strange there. As for you know the acquisitions as a whole, um, yeah, I don't like. I feels like their players are meh that they acquired. You know, I think Braun for a third round pick, given the defensive market, I think it's solid. You know, it's a solid depth piece. Is you know he's fine, bottom four guy. Uh, but uh, you know Andrew Cop in particular, it's just like you know this is the guy you decide to give up. You know, like a second, potentially a first. You know, and a fifth for um, where it feels like those assets could have been better managed uh and for a guy you know andrew cops a fine like you know was he top six forward marginally um and yeah no it just seems like the rangers are a team who are obviously riding igor shesterkin hard this year um if you look at the analytics they're not such a great team uh and they're certainly overperforming because they've got the you know the soon-to-be vezina potentially heart nominee uh in net uh and yeah it doesn't like it we really don't talk about that bushnevich trade enough because, yeah, you talk about the handedness, absolutely. Um, but just from a skill perspective, uh, they gave up a bona fide first liner uh, for Sammy Blay. And this team would be much stronger with Pavel Bushnevich on the team. Uh, and he's been having a great season with the Blues. So, you know, we could have seen that coming. Yeah. Is he having like, a career year with the Blues or something? I know he's been fantastic. I think it's he's on like the best pace of his career, if I'm remembering right. Uh, I, yeah, we, we roast to the Rangers at the time. Uh, but it really does show now that, you know, Tom Wilson punching our Timmy Panarin or pulling his hair or something uh, totally shifted the uh, the philosophy of the Rangers and their roster building uh, into the wrong one. And now we see that, you know, they're going after guys like Justin Braun and Tyler Mott uh, and even Andrew Kopp, who aren't necessarily bad players, but probably based on the Rangers' current strengths and weaknesses is not exactly what you need and what would provide the best bang for your buck. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, you, you're absolutely right on with Bushnevich. He's already had a career high in goals and points. Uh, he's already hit 50 points uh, and uh, almost point a game. He's played 55 games this year. So, uh, yeah, you you got even better. What do you know? He's only 26, uh, reaching the prime of his career, and you traded him away from a you know, bottom six scrub. Um, <laughs> this is what you get. What did you expect? Uh, and uh, yeah, no, if, if, you know, when we watch the Rangers play, we'll see how they do in the playoffs. Um, but if the talent in the skater group just doesn't line up, like this is a huge loss uh, because yeah, you just don't, you just don't lose top line players like that for nothing. You know, they don't just, you know, the 26 year old supposedly under team control, uh, you know, to just pretend he doesn't exist. Uh, it's, I can see this being very costly come playoff time if they, uh, you know, underachieve. Yeah, uh, we got uh, quite a bit to get to, so let's run through these last few a little quicker. Um, here's one I want to talk about because I thought it was funny. It was Nick Letty going from Detroit to St. Louis for too much. And I feel like <laughs> this broke right after the Lekkonen trade, and they were like, oh, Lekkonen's great. What a great addition to Colorado. And then Elliot Freeman was like, and the Blues got Nick Letty. And it just goes to show the tremendous disparity between the front offices and figuring out which players are good and worth getting and which ones aren't. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> they also got, like, was it, like Luke Witkowski, uh, who's also uh, not a good at all, even as depth. Uh, he's, like, an AHL guy now at this point. Uh, just, like, why, why are you... He's, like, 30 years old. Why are you going and acquiring this guy? But anyways, uh, they gave up, uh, you know, Oscar Sunquist, you know, fourth line or whatever. Uh, Jake Wallman, who's, like, a decent young defenseman and a second-round pick uh, for, you know, an aging shell of Nick Letty. So... The, when we talk about the defensive market, we don't know what the hell is going on. You know, from de- defenseman to defenseman, we're just like, it goes up and down, up and down. Uh, this is certainly a, uh, you know, an overpay because it's Nicoletti at this point in his career. He's not having a good time. No, absolutely not. 
uh, Minnesota was was active on deadline day. Mm-hmm. They got Mark Andre Fleury, and I was convinced at that point that no one was gonna gonna get Mark Andre Fleury. That he was you know feeling like staying put. Uh, but I guess he said Minnesota, sure, I can go there. And what the sticking point was was apparently Chicago said we're not trading him unless we get a first round pick. Minnesota said, "Well, we're not giving you one." So they made it conditional. Um, and Chicago is probably going to be on the losing end of that, you know, hill to die on because the condition is it only be, it's a second that only becomes a first rounder if Minnesota makes it to round three and if Flurry gets half the wins at least. Um, and Flurry probably will become the starter in Minnesota, uh, but it's not a sure thing that Cam Talbot doesn't, you know catch fire and flurry is bad because besides goaltending just generally being unpredictable those two goalies have done those two things recently um so even if minnesota does somehow beat colorado in the playoffs maybe it's talbot who does it uh so i think at least chicago did the right thing by getting a decent asset for this player who you'll recall they gave up absolutely nothing for to get from vegas uh so from an asset management perspective it's a win from them and I also think it's a win for Minnesota, who very desperately needed to solidify their their goaltending heading into the playoffs. Yeah, I think for Chicago, their hands were tied, right? Because, you know, Fleury basically was able to choose a destination, didn't want to go to Canada, and had a sight set on Minnesota if he was going to move. Uh, so, you know, Minnesota certainly had that in their back pocket. Uh, what they, they, like, played some... Played a game of like chicken or whatever it was. Uh, you know, like the Blackhawks played flurry. Like, okay, we'll play him. We don't care. Uh, which uh, kind of seems kind of stupid. Uh, like a dumb negotiating tactic, especially considering that they didn't get that first round pick. Um, like, what if he had gotten injured? You would have just lost a second round pick for nothing. Um, so you know, a bit of clownery by who was it, Kyle Davidson? Um, but yeah, for Minnesota, I, I, I it's a great move. Uh, because you know, you, this is supposedly your all in year because uh, you have massive cap liabilities next year. So when you look at your goaltending situation, it was not looking good down the stretch. Uh, you know, Cam Talbot is uh, old and is played too much because, you know, Kapokakinen wasn't exactly a reliable, start, uh, you know, starter kind of guy. Uh, but, uh, you know, Talbot was certainly fading down the stretch. And, uh, you know, flurry some nice reinforcements. Uh, if anything, they'll, they'll form a solid tandem uh, of two goalies who neither of, should, neither of whom should maybe be this one starter, like number one starter. Um, and they can, you know, share the one, one a role and i think that's probably best suited for both of them at this stage of their careers yeah and after they acquired flurry and had three goalies on their roster they immediately turned around and traded one of them capo kakinen to the sharks along with the fifth round pick for jacob middleton who we talked about a little bit last week for oddly being very high on the trade bait list um he is making less than league minimum exactly like capo kakinen seven hundred twenty-five thousand dollars against the cap until the end of the season, where he's an RFA. He has very strong defensive metrics somehow on the San Jose Sharks, uh, and Minnesota's already a strong defensive team, so so he's just going to add to the good that's already there. Right, and so, I mean, that's... Man, I'm surprised they kind of gave up on Kakanen so fast. Like, I don't know how if he was waiver-exempt or whatnot, um, but... I, you know, I thought this was supposed to be like their goalie of the future, was it not? Like for the while, I see that's what that's what we've been hearing for the last couple of years. Um, he just never was able to kind of string it together and take the starter role away from from Cam Talbot. Um, but I guess they had too much money uh, on the books for goaltending. And but yeah, either way, you've got like two old ass goalies now. And I'm not like you know Talbot's got one more year left. Uh, I think Flurry's done after this year. Uh, and you know what's what are you gonna do with the future? I guess that's for their prospect development well. team. Yeah. Well, it's Jesper Wallstead, oh, I think, is the... Right. Oh, there it is. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I think, forgot about honestly, him. Honestly, if, if they if they didn't get Walston, I think they still would have probably held on to Kakin and been like, here we go. Come on. You're 25. It's almost time. Now or never. Uh, but Jesper Walstead, who was, uh, fell right into their laps, 20th overall. They actually traded up for him two spots to get him 20th overall. Uh, and he is a, a 918 in the in the SHL, the highest men's league in Sweden. Incredibly impressive for someone of his age. He is he is still 19 years old. Um, I say still not. He's been 19 since uh, November. So yeah, he's, he's incredibly young, and he is doing very well in the top league in Sweden. Uh, and there is no reason to think that he won't grow into a very good starting goalie for Minnesota. Perhaps even right as soon as uh, as Cam Talbot is uh, is on the way out. Oh, so there we go. So you know, Kakin was clearly the odd piece out, and you get a solid uh, a solid bottom four defensive for the stretch run. Not much else to see there, I guess. Uh, I want to talk about Washington. I want to shout them out just because I think they had a, a underratedly great deadline. Um, Yo- Marcus Johansson is part of it. That kind of falls into the category of like, really, you gave up like a, a <laughs> roster player plus for like a slightly better roster player. And Daniel Sprong is like, you know, super streaky to the point he'll have like an amazing 10 games and be quiet for the rest of the entire season. And Marcus Johansson's a little bit more reliable. But especially the Johan Larson acquisition uh, was uh, was very very good. It was a very good one. Let's just let's just say that uh, because he is one of the best shutdown centers that there is. They got him half retained, so he's seven hundred thousand uh, dollars, and they only gave up what was it, like a third round pick for him. Incredibly yep. impressive, and um, they're they have now have uh, several options at center. It's been basically Kuznetsov, Backstrom, Eller, and Nick Dowd there for like the past several years with Connor McMichael kind of chipping in there a bit this year, uh, but mostly playing on the wing, I think. And Johan Larson's basically definitely going to play center. So now you're talking about Lars Eller sliding down to the fourth line, maybe, uh, or moving to the wing, or maybe uh, Nick Dowd moving to the wing. Um, so they have a very flexible group of forwards now. Uh and I feel like that's been a problem for them in recent playoffs that have been tremendous failures has been forward depth. Right. Uh, and now you turn to the rest of the roster and uh, <laughs> you're like, oof, they might have a rough go in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, certainly you're not going to sell uh, because, uh, you know, you're trying to get trying to trying to squeeze the last bit out of this uh, this this core. Uh, and they didn't sell the farm either. Third round pick for Larson. Very shrewd pickup. So, you know, just just quietly solid for the Capitals. Uh, it's just that uh, I don't personally think it's going to move the needle much. I don't think they're a contender at this point uh, because, uh, yeah, their goaltending stinks and their defense kind of sucks too, uh, you know, besides John Carlson and all that. So, uh, you know, certainly huge holes, but a nice deadline nonetheless. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's pretty much all the trades I really felt we should cover. But there is a waiver signing. Uh, no, it's not a, wa- a waiver claim that I feel like we should discuss, which is that of Harry Sateri. Or Hari Sateri, um, of course, as we all, signed by the Leafs, uh, placed on waivers because that is the rule when you're signing a European free agent, I suppose. Uh, and then the Arizona Coyotes claim him. And apparently they were not the only ones. Apparently, like, at least five teams put in a claim. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Dubas kind of seemed upset that, uh, you know, they've lost, like, 11 players on waivers in the last, I don't know, three years, something like that which is almost twice as many as the next most team who's lost like six. And 
who was someone people started talking about like oh i'm pretty sure other teams are only doing this uh just to pick on toronto and to pick on kyle dubas now and you know what i don't think that's totally true but i don't think it's totally false either i'm pretty sure that when toronto puts a player on waivers there's there has to be an extra bit of like let's take why don't we take a closer look at this guy Maybe he's worth taking away. I don't think teams are doing it just because. Like, oh, Toronto put someone on waivers. Let's take him to make them angry strategically. Uh, but I do think that if, you know, someone like any other random team, if the Blue Jackets sign Harry Sateri and then put him on waivers, uh, I, I don't think we're getting six teams putting in claims for him. No, absolutely not. And when I look at it, uh, you know, that, that scenario you just proposed with Harry Sateri in particular, where teams are like, uh, you know, oh, look, let's fuck with the Leafs on purpose. Um, I think that's what happened here. Is it not? Like, it's the Arizona Coyotes. He's It's a one-year contract. It's, <laughs> they don't really need a goalie. Like, sure, you know, their goalies stink, and maybe you want to take a look at the guy. Uh, but, you know, it's not like they're, they've got money to burn either. And uh, <laughs> it feels like they did it just to fuck with the Leafs, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, because... I, I, I fail to see any real motivation other than to screw with them because they could have just gone and signed Harry Sateri if they wanted to uh, anytime at this, during the, over the course of the season and nobody would have batted, batted an eye. But instead, you know, they felt compelled uh, to uh, claim him only when the Leafs signed him. Uh, so I think, you know, especially, you know, considering that it was Arizona who claimed him and you have five other teams down the line and the fact that you have, you know, what is it, 11 claims? That's not a coincidence. That is almost double the next number of teams, uh, the next team uh, in the list. So I'm inclined to think that they're just clowning this guy. See, I don't fully agree. First of all, Arizona not necessarily could have just signed this guy whenever they wanted because he would have had to agree to go. Uh, which which exposes you know a major flaw in this system of you have to sign a player from Europe and immediately put them on waivers because that doesn't help Harry Sateri, who's like, I've made this big decision in my life to come and sign with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and all of a sudden I'm in literally the opposite team to that, which is Arizona. Uh, but anyway, the point is, maybe he didn't want to sign with the Coyotes, and maybe they wanted to sign him, uh, but he didn't want to. So then when Toronto put him on waivers, they say, hey, we're stealing you even though you don't want to be here. And the other thing is, I think that uh, after trading Scott Wedgwood away, the new backup in Arizona, Joseph Coronash, is so bad that even though Arizona has no hope of making the playoffs and is practically tanking, they said, he, he's we can't. We can't just have Joseph Coronash playing every once in a while. We need to try out someone else. It's a painful for us to watch. Okay, all right. I okay. So maybe in Arizona's case, you know, we have an exceptionally poor goalie situation. Uh, but you know, I failed to see the five other how the five other teams that checks out for them. Uh, especially you know they're probably non-playoff teams too. Uh, and maybe not. Like- see, that's the other thing is that they probably aren't. That we would there are a lot of teams. Who we were talking about how a lot of teams need goaltending and there aren't a lot of goalies on the market. Uh, Edmonton, I'd I'd absolutely bet Edmonton was one of the teams that put in a claim on that player. Uh, who else? Washington's goaltending hasn't been very good. Perhaps they wanted to put in a claim. Chicago just traded Flurry. Maybe they wanted to put a claim in. And I'm sure there are several other teams that would pop out to me if I kept on looking for them. Sure, perhaps. Um, but I think you look at the greater trend. Uh, if I and if I'm Kyle Dubas, I see eleven of my players have gotten claimed, and it does seem like that. You know, like oh, Toronto puts this player on waivers. Everybody's on Twitter is like, 
you know, oh, he's getting claimed. And then he does the next day. Uh, you know, it's worthy of a bit of a fuck you to the rest of the league. Uh, and uh, I think that's hilarious. I think it's fantastic. I think everybody should just continue to bully the Maple Leafs. And uh, I'm, I'm down for it. Awesome. Perfect. Let's do it. Let's uh, and I also wanted to kind of just mention the fact that the Islanders suck. And yet, rather than trading Zach Parise and Cal Clutterbuck, Lou Lamarillo extended them. <laughs> I didn't, catch that. I, I didn't catch that that they, that they got extended uh, and it was like, uh, right as the other like the last trades were coming out you know like the Raquel <laughs> and the Domi and it was like oh by the way Parise and Clutterbuck both extended by the Islanders <laughs> uh, what a joker um, yeah no that, that where are they right now in the standings I completely lost track obviously not going to make it um, but are they like basement basement are they like, no no they're like upper plays? half of the non-playoff teams in the okay. east all right. Uh, so, yeah, they're clearly not in it at all. And uh, doing this won't help them, I'll tell you that. Um, you know, we've ragged on the Islanders and their roster management and Lou seemingly living in the 1980s. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they just keep doing it. They just keep fucking doing it, and nobody wants to say no to the guy. What's your thought on the uh, the Kevin Weeks bit where he kept announcing trades in different places? <laughs> I was like, okay, cool, bro. Uh, do your thing. Do your thing. I didn't. I didn't have any strong opinions on this either way. What about you? I I I didn't really, but I thought I was like, oh, this is kind of amusing until he became like undoubtedly self-aware by like putting a trash can on his head and stuff. It was like, okay, Kevin, get a bit carried away here with the attention. You're not that funny. You're, you're making a fool of yourself. <laughs> well, not not necessarily. I wouldn't go that far, but just the fact that like part of the fun is like. Does he realize he's being weird? You know, because like he did one at like the barber shop, and then just like one in front of a metal staircase, and it's like, is he just you know doing them on the spot from wherever he is, and happens to be in kind of strange spots? Because if so, that's kind of fun. But then all of a sudden he was like, oh, I'm being a silly goose about it, and it's like, oh, <laughs> you kind of you kind of ruined the bit. Yeah, you ruined the bit exactly by uh, taking it. You know, he made he just he just he stuck to the bit for too long. Sorry, Kevin. Um, a nice try. I think you know? it would have, the, the bit would have been funnier if we didn't know if he knew it was a bit or not. Exactly. Exactly. If you just continue to go into, you know, locations that make you question whether it's a bit or not, you know, like, exactly. exactly. like you know. I love, I love that type of bit where you don't know if it's a bit, like NYR fan. Is it a bit or not? We don't know. <laughs> and it continues <laughs> to entertain us, right? Um, Absolutely. <laughs> can't say, can't say that about Kevin Weeks' breaking news bits anymore. Uh, but no, if what, what if he had showed up, you know, he was, uh, uh, well, you wouldn't want him to be driving, but I don't know, sitting at his dining table with a grilled cheese sandwich, um, yeah. and he was just in his hand. That's fine. I'm, I'm for mm-hmm. it. Yeah. What if he did one? No, I was going to say sitting on the toilet, but at that point, then you would know it's a bit. So <laughs> yeah. trying to think, cause it's, it's a very delicate line to walk between like, you know, obviously a like you don't want it to be obviously a joke, but you don't want it to be like a normal place either, because then you know it's not the bit anymore. Yeah, I think I think a grocery store is good. I don't know if he did that. You know, a grocery store is good. Oh, like a bus would be good too, like a city bus sitting next to some strangers. <laughs> uh, certainly, certainly. Um, I don't know in a staircase. Oh wait, no, you said he did it next to a metal staircase. All right, well, at least he well, nailed that, that one. Was one of the yeah. good ones. That was one of the like, is this right. you know. Does he know or does he not know? There we go. Uh, so, you know, stick to it. Incorporate some more subtlety in your comedy routine, sir, is the, the, the yeah. lesson we'll take away. Please. All right. Um, before we 
do the stuff we're going to do later. <laughs> There's something I want to do before that. Ah. Uh, and I, I didn't mention this to you. Uh, you, of course, remember uh, Devin Levy of World Junior Fame. Of course. Of course. Of course you do. Um, from the exact suburb from in which I live, Dollar DeZormo. Seventh round pick of the Panthers, traded to Buffalo in the Sam Reinhart trade, and up for the Hobie Baker Award this year, one of the 10 finalists. Were you aware of that? Yes, I, I, I had heard that. That came across my timeline. Wonderful. People there being excited. Article, yeah. There was an article in the Montreal Gazette the other day hmm. about uh, Devin Levy, Levy, and a former <laughs> teammate. And a oh. former teammate of his, uh, who he played with growing up uh, in Dollar Desormo. They were both goalies. There was a picture of them kind of like, you know, uh, congratulating one on a win or something when, back in Pee Wee AA. And there was a picture of them. We know, we know they were good friends because they went to a Habs game together some year. And there was a picture of them hanging out together as little kids. Uh, and this other goalie's name was Yaniv Peretz. And he is also up for the Hobie Baker this year. These two childhood friends from Dollar Desormo are both up for Hobie Baker. It's <laughs> wow. crazy, isn't it? <laughs> from from your suburb, no less. Uh, from mine, yeah. Goalie machine. What yeah, even? Factory over here. <laughs> okay, well, shout, shout out to DDO. What is it? How many finalists are there? Three, four, five? Ten. There are ten, ten? finalists. Okay. All right. That's not bad. So 20%. It doesn't end yeah. there. It doesn't oh, end there. What the uh, hell? All right. What do we got? Well, that's, the, that's the most interesting stuff. Uh, okay. But there's a little bit more. So Yanni Peretz, he's 22. Uh, he's a 944 in 30 games for Quinnipiac uh, University. And he he may or may not, you know, get signed by an NHL team. Who's to say? Uh, but I was reading the article and it was said, uh, Yanni Peretz and his parents, Nancy and Joshua, and I was like, Joshua Peretz, that's a store. And so as it turns out, indeed, uh, Yaniv Peretz's father, Joshua Peretz, is the owner of the possibly now defunct clothing store, Joshua Peretz, which at one point was called Pink. And then there was some kind of lawsuit maybe, and they had to change it. So he just named it after himself. That's wow. this guy's dad. He just didn't want to risk it the second time around. He was like, I'm not, I'm not risking this litigation. I'm naming it after myself. <laughs> I respect that move. Uh, and uh, what do you know? Wow. So pillars of the community producing goalies. It's a, it's a DDO time. It's a DDO moment in the spotlight. Uh, yep. Good for them. Good, good, good shit. Having fun. So in the that's West the story. All right. I wanted to bring that up. Lovely. All right. Okay, my pick is Devin Levy for Hobie Baker. I did not look at the other finalists, so Me I either. wouldn't know, but I'm, I'm rooting for him. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I, I haven't either. Uh, so now I know I know my two picks. Number one is Devin Levy, Mr. Mister Olympian. All right. Okay. So, shall we get to our uh, final segment of the day? Sure, let's do it. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, we pushed this off a couple of weeks. Um, due to the uh, trade deadline, uh, but we got ourselves a draft. Uh, and this week, we shall be going with modes of transportation. Uh, that's right, so that we're looking for the best modes of transportation. And I think we agreed beforehand that the uh, specific criteria that we're looking for uh, and that we will be asking you to evaluate our teams based off of uh, is, uh, yeah, we're assuming that 
we're, we're not taking in uh, the cost into account. So we're assuming that it's been paid for uh, a business trip or whatnot. Uh, and uh, yeah, so what would be like the coolest to ride on is uh, what yes. we're drafting. That is indeed what we're drafting. Um, as expected, I lost last time, so I picked first this time. And I know exactly what my first pick is going to be. Please. You know, You know what part of our planet we know so little about? It is the great underwater. And what mode of transportation could help us learn more about it? It's the submarine. My first pick is the submarine. I've never been on one, but who would not want to try? You get into, you know, the little room that goes underwater. And what's so great about it, you get to basically be underwater and you don't have to get wet at all. A dream come true. I went snorkeling once. I loved seeing all the fish, all the little sea animals, but I was like, oh, I'm wet. Oh, I feel like one of them's going to bite me or something. Not an issue at all with the submarine. You go in and you get a clear look all around at the wonders of the mother nature under the sea. All right. Uh, I think you're overrating the submarine. Look, it's not a bad mode of transport, um, but there are certainly some real downsides to it. Uh, notably, you know, if you're claustrophobic, you're doomed. Sorry, you're cut. You're cut from the roster. Um, and, you know, it's like, it feels kind of risky, you know, with air. What's the, how does the air thing work? You know, can you run out of air in a submarine? And, uh, you know, it just kind of feels risky down there. What I could realistically just go to my neighborhood aquarium, stay bone dry in either scenario. And, uh, you know, I get that's to see the fishes. Real nature, that's not real nature fish, though. That's artificial. All oh, we took some fish and put them in a room okay. in this big building. Right. It's not the real well, thing. I wasn't aware that you were an advocate for uh, real fish, hashtag. Um, but uh, I don't happen to find the huge difference. I, I'm sure the ocean is cool. But it's very dark down there, I'll say that. Uh, and, uh, you know, it just, I just feel like there's more, be- there's better ways, there's more comfortable ways, you know, submarines. It's also fucking small, you know? You're just in a metal fucking little cage in the, in the bottom of the ocean. Scary, bad vibes. All right. Uh, I will be taking, uh, I think... It's the best one. You know, if I had the first overall pick, I would take this one. Um, because it's awesome. It's the train, all right? The fucking train <laughs> rules. I don't know why this draft is so funny to me already. We're just picking, and we're like, <laughs> this, why is it so hilarious? Number one on my draft board. Uh, and, you know, what's left to love about the train? Uh, you have super high-speed trains, um, you know, like in, in Asia, especially, or even in France, you get like 600 kilometers an hour. That's insane. That's crazy. You look out, everything's zooming by. And you, in an hour, you've gone 600 kilometers. That's like unheard of. Like, no, that's, it's faster to get in that train than it is to fly that distance, basically, uh, because you got to go like, you know, screw around to the airport. Uh, and it's very comfortable. We, the train is so comfortable, so smooth. Like, you know, you live in the West Island, right? You got the uh, the, the commuter train. It's very smooth compared to uh, other modes of transport uh, because of the rails. Uh, and, yeah, trains are cool, you know? But there's a reason why everybody loves Thomas the Train Engine. There's a reason why I picked them last time in the in the last TV show draft because trains are awesome. Uh, and, you know, you can have scenic, long train rides, you know, very uh, idyllic uh, with, uh, you know, you get to go through the country and whatnot. And uh, I love the train. Granted, I haven't been on enough, but trains are cool. Sure, kids. Uh, kids love Thomas the the tank engine, but kids that's also right. love Yellow Submarine. So, okay, so no, there's don't. that. How Of course, kids. That's the, kids. Everyone's all the children's favorite Beatles song is Yellow Submarine. No question. Yeah, they don't sing. They don't watch it religiously. They 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 sing it once every 
you know, two years. Okay, if you say so. Next, next up. Next up. Um, I'm going to select a vehicle from which you can have a beautiful view of a vast land. And that is the helicopter. All right. Helicopters, you get to fly up and then you get to look around and see and then you get to come down and it spins you know the thing on top spins around or whatever and that's how you fly and it's like whoa 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 whoa, whoa and you're like their helicopters going up and also many people i'm not one of them but many people like to to skydive and that is done so off of a helicopter so what are you that about? some points for people what right isn't it no what do people, people <laughs> skydive off of airplanes what are you talking about I thought, I thought those were helicopters. No, helicopters oh, don't go high enough. Okay. Uh, well, that's a anyway. great segue. Oh, unless you, you want to say anything else. Um, uh, no, so you're going to pick the plane now, I'm guessing? Yeah, that, that was right. Great segue. Uh, apparently, now I can use skydiving tool as a as a plug, um, which I hadn't even thought of. But Skydiving sucks. Oh, oh, okay. All right. All right. Uh, you, you know what? Maybe, maybe if you change your opinion, you can change, you can, you know, draft it in a later, a later uh, round. You know, I like skydiving is my mode of transport. Um, but anyways, just, just falling. That's my mode of transport. Gravity. <laughs> hey, if you're into that, you know, if you're into that, uh, but, uh, the airplane, the airplane is the best. Uh, let me, first of all, let me backtrack and say the helicopter has got to be, uh, you know, maybe a bit cool to ride on. Oh, look, I'm in a helicopter. Uh, but absolutely. Inherently, inherently, Un- impra- impractical uh because you know it's like fucking loud it's not pleasant you know it's all loud you gotta wear headphones and you gotta talk to each other through mics it's no good um but meanwhile airplanes provide a much more comfortable leisurely mode of transport and more airplanes importantly what are you talking about okay well you know airplanes paid for the least comfortable experience uh, in the entire world all right First of all, you're crammed between people. If you're lucky, you know them, but very often you're you're next to a stranger. All right, and it may be several hours that you're that you're next to them. Maybe they fall asleep, and you have to like nudge them out of the way when you want to go to the tiny bathroom that like is so loud when it flushes, and you can barely turn around. Never mind, you know, if if you're if you're on the the larger side of things, then maybe you can you know barely even go in there. Honestly, I'm sure many people suffer from that. Uh, <laughs> people talk people talking about you know being on the window seat, the middle seat the aisle seat all right everyone has it you, you know very often you don't end up exactly where you want if you're an aisle seat person and you're on the window then you feel all trapped if you're a window seat person sitting on the aisle then you're like i'm not by the window and it's tragic for you no one likes sitting in the middle or if you do you're a very you're a very rare breed all right it's uncomfortable to sleep uh you can't you don't have much leg room all right you, you got a kid kicking you behind you it's just a total nightmare uh and no one likes to be on an airplane so okay, honestly I'm absolutely shocked that you would draft this one. Thank you for your uh, diatribe. This high. Okay. Uh, th- thank you. Uh, first of all, I would. I w- this is rich, rich bathroom uh, rent coming from. You know what? If I'm on a helicopter and you take a piss, what am I doing? Huh? Out, out, out the side of the window, like out the side door. Helicopter rides are short. You go before you leave. You're you're set. They, airplane I, rides are beautiful. Long. Beautiful transition into the main selling point of the airplane, which is that it takes you places. Meanwhile, helicopter ride, you know, I go up, I go down. That's it. End of the story. Uh, Airplane, I can go anywhere in the world. You want to go to the other side of the globe. You want to go to remote locations. You want to go, you know, yeah, you can go everywhere the hell you want. You want to go to your ideal tourist destination, uh, Europe, Asia, Africa, 
you know, beach places down in the Caribbean, South America, anywhere. I don't see anybody taking helicopter rides to Oceania because I'm not. Uh, and you wouldn't be using any other mode of transport either uh, because uh, the airplane has a monopoly on it. Not only that, airplanes are cool. Uh, you want to study an airplane? That's cool. Uh, you know, engineering and shit. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's a whole it's a whole shebang. And it connects the world more than it ever has. And uh, it's crucial in that respect. And so there we go. I would love to transport myself in an airplane, not just because of the, the comfortable, uh, you know, way in which it transports me, but especially when I get off the plane, I'm in a completely fucking different location, and I appreciate that. Can't say that about the helicopter. Well, so if that's your main selling point of the plane is that it can take you anywhere in the world. Yes. Then then I, with my next pick, I'm going, ship? To, I'm, I'm going to take fancy boat slash other boats. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. <laughs> I ju- throw me off. Throw me off overboard. I, God damn. That's terrible. Okay. <laughs> Fancy boats slash other boats. All you right. can't do that. That's boats. You can't say <laughs> Okay, I'm saying first class airplane slash other sections. <laughs> That's not how this works. Take it. Take, you can have first class on your plane. I will. Thank That's, you. All right. I just want to make sure everyone knows that when I say boat, I'm <laughs> not only talking about a little kayak. I want to make sure everyone knows I'm including cruises and yachts and stuff. Okay. All right. Because... Uh, while the plane will take you far and you are uncomfortable on the journey, a fancy boat will take you far and you are having the time of your life on your no, way you there. All right. No, not only, oh not only do you have a nice bed that you can sleep in and it's a very smooth ride with this new technology so that you won't even notice you're on the water, uh, but you also get food and drinks and fun activities and maybe even like a pool and a water slide and stuff and things to do and shows that they put on on these fancy boats. Let me tell you, it's you'll have the time of your life. Uh, and you could also go on a little boat at a totally different time. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what I'm saying is, the first half of that was here's why yachts and cruises and stuff are nice. And I'm talking about why, you know, canoes and kayaks and stuff like that, they're also fun. You can go for a nice little paddle on the water, stroll around. You can look down and see the fish. Obviously not as great as a submarine, but but still, you know, pretty pleasant. And uh, it's a nice workout, too. It's good to get that, that upper body exercise in. Uh, and it's teamwork also, you know, if you're with someone, you go to the right and I'll go to the left and it's a great team bonding activity. So there we go. Fancy boat slash other boats. Oh, God. Is my I, I don't understand. Why didn't you just, no, we're calling this boat. I, I will make the graphic <laughs> if needed. We're calling this boat because you're not excluding any boats. If you want to say kayaks canoes are a different graphic, go ahead. You can say big fucking boats. But you can't say other boats. That's not how it works. Sure, why not? I, I took every boat. What's the difference? Why do you care what I call it? Because it's clearly misleading to the voter to say fancy boats and other boats. No, man. I'm saying here, all boats. Okay, there we go. I, I'm glad we agree on it. Okay, there's no differentiation. Yeah. You took the boat. Anyway, yes, there's fancy boat slash other boats. Oh, God. All okay, boats. all right, okay. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, compromise. compromise. Okay. It's all boats, colon, fancy boats slash other boats. How's that? <laughs> Seems awfully convoluted. Now, I request <laughs> that I do that for my other picks as well. Um, okay. Trains, fancy trains, and other trains. <laughs> 
just, just keep that one in mind. All right. Okay. Um, okay. I don't know why I think the boat. The boat sucks. All right. The boat sucks. You know, like, no, ain't nobody going to go from, you want to say across the world? Who's going across the world on a boat? All right. Someone who's got time to kill. All right. And that's not me. And because, you know, all right, you're having a good time, whatever. It's more comfortable. You got more space. First of all, you're trapped in a little uh, land prison. Uh, you know, it's like it's a very risky out there. Uh, you know, you're you're subject to the elements and whatnot. Also, it's like two fucking weeks. Ha! Yeah, I want to go from uh, here to Japan or wherever. I want to go here to Australia. Yeah, all right. Uh, let me just book that trip. Okay, looks like I'm. Uh, I've got. I've got to kill three weeks. Um, like awesome. like I'm like I'm more than. Like the more free time on the fancy boat, the better. Remember, it's free. More time I get to spend, the happier I am. Yeah, I'd rather walk to Australia. I'll tell you that. Uh, and uh, you know, it's just fancy boat with fun things to do. Uh, yes, and, and think about it. What was the you know the nightmare situation at the onset of this pandemic? It was the cruise ship, and there is inherent. It's inherent. It's disgusting. Cruise ships are disgusting. All right, that's why it was. You know, there's a reason why. for a month is a plane. That'd be even worse. Yeah, but you did it. Did anybody get stuck on a plane for a month? Well, you're saying, oh, you get stuck on a boat. Well, I'm saying, oh, you can get stuck on a plane. So there, we're okay, even. Okay, all, all right, all right. But at least, my, at, least, my part. at least your thing, your disaster actually happened. Mine, on the other hand, did not. Anyways. Well, it could. Never know. It, it, but it hasn't. Um, <laughs> terrible, terrible. Anyways, uh, okay, all right. Uh, moving on. Um, because I think I think boat speaks for itself. Nobody wants to be on a fucking boat. All right, all right? <laughs> everyone wants to be on a fancy okay, boat right. or another boat. No, nobody wants to do it. All right, you can pay me to take a two week cruise to Aruba or whatever. You know, like come on. that's insane. You have no sense of vacation. No, I have no sense of wanting to waste my time on a boat. All right, when I could be on a plane and within three hours I'm on the beach. All right, instead I'm on a boat. Far from the beach. Tragic. Wow. Right. So, so uh, basically, the thing you like about plane is the part where it's over. That's that's your big selling point. Is you can't wait till the ride is done. Yes, because it's an inherently unique kind of. It's already over experience, wherein uh, you're completely different. You're like you, you can't do it anywhere else unless you want to be dumb so and spend two weeks of your life on a boat. Your favorite thing about the plane is the place that you are when it's done, and not the actual being on the thing so i think that speaks to the weakness of that pick no but planes are cool too you know planes are cool planes are cool i'm on my plane you know i read the i read the safety pamphlet you know it's, it's good it's good all right anyways um moving on uh, i'm gonna stick in the air because that's cool uh and i'm gonna be taking perhaps the coolest of them all uh the hot air balloon um because you know Ooh, it, i didn't even think of that one yeah that's right it offers all the advantages of the helicopter um but on top of it, you know, there's not as much noise. It's much more peaceful. It's a gradual ascent and descent. You get the same incredible view, but you're not actually, you get the 360 view, you know? Helicopters, you can't walk around. You're like strapped in your seat. You gotta wear like 16 seatbelts and shit. Um, hot air balloon, just like, you know, just uh, step around, you know? Uh, and, uh, you know, it's very, it's great vibes. You look cool, you know? Like a hot air balloon, you have a picture of hot air balloons, extremely aesthetically pleasing. Um, so hot air balloons, fantastic. A plus. Sounds like everything you're saying about hot air balloons is just a bunch of hot air. Uh, uh, get it? Get it? All right, great. Anyway. Nobody all right, so it. yeah, Nobody actually, it. All right. hot air balloon gives you a nice view. Uh, plane, yes. trains, you know, they get you places fast. You were talking all about, you know, the train being super fast. Well, you know what is far faster than a train 
and gives you a far better view than a hot air balloon is a rocket ship. That's my fourth pick. A rocket ship. Who would not want to go on a, a free trip in a rocket ship, assuming, of course, that you are qualified to do so, and see planet Earth, and see the planets, and the stars, and basically just be in outer space, be in zero gravity. That would be an absolutely amazing experience that very few people have gotten to do. And for that reason alone, I think it is elite and an absolute steal here in the fourth round. No, that's terrible. Uh, you know, it feels very risky. You know, we've seen lots of rocket failures. So you might just, you know, be blown to bits uh, because, I don't know, Jerry forgot to loosen the screw uh, on the top <laughs> right quadrant. Um <laughs> seems risky and uh you know like it's not it's not a pleasant you're just like have you seen pictures of rockets like people are all like crammed into that little space and like their face gets all fucking wonky because of all the g-forces you can't even see shit uh and you're just like i hope i don't fucking pass out and miss this great <laughs> moment that i spent uh all this time waiting for uh and you know you got a small window it's not a big you know rocket windows are not big I, i've never seen a glass rocket that's for a reason um, you usually can't see anything. So I think rocket ships are greatly overrated. Yeah, they're cool, whatever. In, you know, like maybe when you think about it, but when you're actually riding it, I can't imagine it's as good as you might think it is. So there's a reason why it's available here in the fourth round because it sucks. That's why. Uh, so, you know, well, I don't like it. I feel like, yeah. I feel like maybe we should have established before the draft starts that it's not a valid argument to be, well, well, what if your machine breaks? What then? Because I feel like we should be operating under the assumption that things are going to go smoothly, you know? Like, I could... Oh, okay, well, fine. planes crash, so that your pick is bad. You know what? That's fair. Uh, I would like to scratch the Jerry remark from the record. But regardless, <laughs> still not a cool... Still not a cool ride. I, I, it still stands... You know, you're all crammed in there. That argument still holds. Uh, and I can't imagine it's cool to ride, like... Oh my God, I'm going to space. Uh, yeah, fine. But uh, maybe it's not such a great time when you're actually up there. Anyways, uh, okay. All right. Moving on. Uh, coming back down to earth. Um, but some better picks. What do we got? Uh, let's see. I'm going to go with a bike. The bike rules. Mm-hmm. All right. Extremely convenient. You know, you can have fast bikes. You can have like all-terrain bikes, you know, like fuck around in the forest among the trees. Um, and... You know, you go fast on the road and it's just like, you know, it's like it's safe, feels safe on a bike. Um, so it's not like, you know, I'm riding a motorcycle and I'm like about to risk my neck out there. Uh, but, you know, and uh, yeah, we're just zoom, zoom. Bikes are great. It's just it's a great time riding a bike. There's you cannot like, you know, you feel fast and you're also doing the work. You know, it's like, you know, I'm getting somewhere. Um, it feels much more efficient than like walking or running. Uh, and it's uh, it's a great time. Yeah, you get some electric, an electric powered bike, too. Even better. My next pick, I'm gonna take the blimp. <laughs> I'm taking the blimp. Fuck's sake. All right. all right. There are a couple of reasons why I'm taking the blimp. Okay. First of all, the word itself is extremely fun to say. If I ever found myself in a blimp, I would not be able to stop myself from saying the word blimp the entire time I was in there. Second of all, blimps are are just a meme in and of themselves. Because you know, they're just big things floating across the sky. And the third and perhaps the most important reason that I took the blimp is because I feel like uh, it has recently come to light online that there are only a- approximately 25 blimps in the entire world, and about only half of them are actually active. And that just makes blimps all the more remarkable to me. So, yeah, who doesn't love a good blimp? Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's a good time. Uh, you know, 
It seems like, yeah, like, think about it. What is the what is the defining image of a blimp? It's the Hindenburg. Is it? That's right. It's kind it's of, the Hindenburg. you know. It's, 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 it's everybody's. It's the Hindenburg, you know, the, the big, uh, the all oh, the humanity while the fucking thing comes down, crashing down, it's all on fire and everybody dies. Um, oh, back to what if the blimp ride goes wrong? Okay, back but I feel like, argument. yes, I may have broken that rule immediately after, but <laughs> I feel like, you know, it's like a special case, you know, because it's like, this thing has major safety concerns where like, if I throw a dart at it, it's probably done for. Um... Well, right. that's a good thing that we're operating with the rules that nothing's going to go wrong on right, our ride. Right. So but that's anyways, irrelevant. Besides that, uh, it's also just a shitty hot air balloon um, to the point where you're almost encroaching on my territory, but it's okay. Um, I'll allow it. Uh, and uh, but yeah, balloons stink. It's terrible. All right. Um, okay. What do we What do we got next? What's a good mode of transport? Honestly, I'm like running out. Um. Oh, I've got a bunch of good ones. We could we could keep going for a while if we wanted to. Unfortunately, we won't, but we could. Uh, okay, all right. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with a tank. How's that? What? Um, That's ridiculous. <laughs> Look, I'm not killing people. I'm not. I'm not out here to kill people. Does that even count? Yeah. I feel like that's that's a killing machine that you happen to be able to transport yourself in. No. Okay. Look. It's you're 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 like you're like you know all surrounded in armor and shit and obviously I am not pro military I am not pro killing people I'm not pro war um, but if we're talking about cool things that we're transporting ourselves in uh, it's just like you know I'm all in a little fucking metal thing and I can blow shit up it doesn't have to be people it should not be people but you know but uh, you know like in a designed course seems fun to me all right well time for my last pick. I'm really I'm going back and forth between two things, um, the car? and the car. among them, I'm not taking the car, I'm not okay. taking the bus. I thought about it, but I'm also not taking the unis the unicycle or the hoverboard or the Segway or the scooter or the motorcycle. Mm. Uh, and so for me, this is really down to. Uh, actually, I, w- I won't talk too much about them because then you might take the other one. Uh, okay. But what what I'm settling on is uh, the back of a little horsey or a pony. Oh, That's God. my last pick. I haven't been, I haven't gone on a horse in a long time. I have several times, Christ. and and I was scared to begin with being a little kid, but I've got to say it was a great experience. Um, of course, I'm not what you would call a horse girl. Um, yeah. and, you know, I tend to make fun of horse girls as everyone does and everyone should. But exactly, there's there's absolutely something to be said, uh, for learning responsibility and respect through a relationship with a horse specifically what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> specifically because horses are not the type of animal uh that is going to uh respect you and care about you if you don't respect them and care about them first and a horse will only allow you uh to to use him as oh my a god transportation device if you already have uh that mutual uh intimate bond and with what other transportation device can you have a mutual intimate bond that we drafted here besides uh, a horsey or a little pony the answer is none because none of the other ones are alive so i think the the emotional element i absolutely have nailed i get the hundred percent and unless you draft some other animal here you will have the zero. 
Sorry, I'm just gonna. I need to call CBC for a second. Uh, I'm I'm trying to get you cast on uh, Heartland. Uh, because uh, Jesus Christ, what was that nonsense? Uh, learn responsibility and respect for an animal who has no sense of rationality. Um, come on, come on. What do you mean? Like, so, what? Well, you remember this? You're talking about horse. You think a horse is gonna let you on their back if they don't trust you? The answer is obviously no. It's very well no. documented. But it's possible that, you know, you do everything right, but the horse doesn't like you, and now you got to buy a new horse. Or, you know, it's just not happening. Uh, not only that, uh, this is the only mode of transport that distinctly involves fecal matter, all right? Because I got to say, when you talk about riding a horse, okay, the, pre the preeminent image in my mind is it smells like shit. All right, it's not even an image, all right? It's just like, oh, my God. Smells terrible, and for Here's a reason. Thing. All right, they're notorious for it. We we are not we are not talking about owning a horse. We are just talking about remember a free paid for ride of a horse, which yes. means that someone else besides me is responsible for cleaning up the poop. No, no, no I'm I'm aware. I, I nowhere in my uh you know my monologue just now that I mentioned you have to clean it up. I'm just saying it's just an unpleasant experience to have it next to you. Hey, sorry, did you say on top or behind, like in the carriage? Which one? Both. No, I'm I'm on the horse. Oh, you're on the horse. Okay, I see. Um, yeah, not only that, it's it's a major safety risk. Um, because yet again, I'm I'm talking about the safety no, risk. No, but <laughs> it's gonna go right. You're breaking the rule again. Literally Fine. every time since I've made it, you're breaking Fine. the rule, being like, oh yeah, you know this could go badly. Feels like you just happen to take the more risky What if you your elbow slips and you hit the blow up every, everyone in this neighborhood button? What happens then? That's true. See, I, I, you could have brought it up. I, I wouldn't have called blasphemy. I didn't break um, the rules, but I didn't want to break the rules that okay. we set, so Fair I didn't. Anyways, uh, all this to say, the horse is temperamental. The horse is unpleasant, and otherwise, uh, where does it get you, anyways? Huh? What do you? Is that you? Like you? Like you know, racing or some shit? Or you just like a little little trot? With a little trot, I might as well just walk. Instead I can't of, like, believe you're. I can't believe you're neglecting to savor the journey. Instead of the destination. Or yeah, but the journey? It's, the destination. What do you mean? It's a, it's a horribly imposing, unpleasant journey because it's like up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. And, you know, everything hurts. It's not pleasant. It's a peaceful journey. It's a very a peaceful, peaceful journey? journey. No, the horse is shitting out of his ass. You can't tell me that's peaceful. <laughs> Come on. Where Come you're, on. It's outrageous. with an animal. I can't believe you're taking the horse. Because inside the horse girls, right? This is preposterous. <laughs> Anyways. To be um, specific, the, the, what, I, what I drafted was the back of a horsey or a pony. Yeah, right where the shit comes out of. You know, like, exactly. That's what I mean. Okay. <laughs> the back end. All right, okay. Moving on, because, you know, I think the horse speaks for itself. Nobody wants to be on a horse, right? Sorry. 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 Nobody wants to be on horseback. Okay. That's, uh, I'm that's going to some... untrue. Okay, I'm going to something uh, off the board, um, because it's just it's just a cool sport, all right? And, uh, you know, I've drafted this sport, I believe, already um, in a past draft, um, because it's just so cool. I would be going with a bobsled, all right? Oh uh, yeah, it's fucking it's, awesome. I'm tempted to say that doesn't even count, just because Why not? You're, not, you're not going anywhere. That's specifically used for racing purposes and not traveling no, I'm, purposes. I'm going from the, I'm going from the top to the bottom of the track, uh, and that's enough for me. For and you know for all these are used for going from somewhere to somewhere else. Okay. Uh, for the purpose of actually being at the new place, not for seeing uh. how fast you can go there. It's no, totally but like, it's, just, it's just, you know, like even as a kid, you know, I was like, man, you know what we should have? We should have aerial bobsled networks to get me from place to place. Uh, Fine. And why is that? It's not such because a good pick cool. anyway. It's a great pick. 
There's a lot of set rules. There's a reason you don't want me to pick. You don't want it to count because it is a inherently I awesome. I came to my senses and I realized that this has this final terrible pick of you of yours has secured my victory. Okay. I need I remind you, you took the horse. Right. Okay, now that I made my pick, I took the back of a horsey or a pony. Please, please be specific and correct. The back of a horsey or a pony. What's the difference? <laughs> are you are you appealing to a particular demographic here? One that you may have just uh you, you know you just called them out before. When all of a sudden you're using language like horsey or pony. No, Makes I'm only using that language because it's funny. Okay, I see. Or you're pandering. Um. All right. Well, what was your other pick? What was what, what take us through uh. Your your great selection. All right, here we go. End of the draft. I honestly yeah. think this might be the best team I've ever drafted in any of these drafts. It sucks. It's ass. All right, go ahead. <laughs> I got all right. Submarine, helicopter, fancy boats slash other boats, rocket ship, blimp, and the back of a horse here a pony. I think people are going to look at my team and be unable <laughs> to resist their chuckles and laughs, and they're going to vote for it immediately compared right, to your stunningly boring. Train, plane. <laughs> you should have picked automobiles there. Trains, I really should have. Drain. You should have tried to get all of the all your picks to rhyme. Drain, grain, brain. Anyway, your actual picks are train, plane, hot air balloon, bike, tank, and bobsled. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. You're ending with tank and bobsled? Yeah, that's right. Better than horse. And that is the course. I think the back of a horse, you're a pony. Okay, sorry. Um, so yeah, what you said you had some other pick uh, lined up or that you were debating between horse. I can't imagine it's worse than horse. Uh, the other it was foot. It was walking slash running. Oh, okay, so I I I stand corrected. Uh, that may have been worse. <laughs> you may, may have made the right call there. Okay. Um, I would have shredded you for that. Well, not that I didn't shred you for horse, but you know, even more. Sorry, back of a horse oh, or a pony. Okay. All right. <laughs> You corrected yourself that time. Can't believe it. All right, I hope everyone enjoyed that draft because because that was a fun one. I have to say, and I'm honest, I'm convinced I'm gonna I'm gonna win this one, decidedly. Okay. Right. My team is great. It's got all of everyone's favorite uh, modes of transportations and words, um, and I got fancy boats slash other boats. You cannot go wrong. Thanks for listening to this week's Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Time to pick a team before you forget. Another one this week. Let's see. Let me let me pull up the the word document with all the teams. Um, so yeah, we're looking at a good that. team. I do not. We're looking at a good team uh, this week. Or? Yeah, let's do a good team in the East. weren't we like pretty West heavy for a while? Yeah, we were pretty West heavy. Uh, so we have uh, let's see in the Atlantic. Really, there's Boston left. That's good. Um, and in the Metro, we have Carolina, we have the Rangers, and we have Washington. Hmm. Wonder the Bruins, they've been like they have like 14 wins in their last 17 and they're, yeah, they're, they're real on fire. So yeah, let's let's right, do let's... an investigation to why that is. Yeah, their schedule. All right, All right. So they're playing Tuesday against the Leafs. That one should be fun. Bruins Leafs. And then Thursday Ooh. against the Devils and Saturday against the Blue Jackets. That's a a nice healthy mix of of teams, I would say. So so it's Boston week. All right. Sounds good. Okay, well, I already started the sign off. The sign off, so I'll pick up where I left off. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at Fusion and Hockey Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Alex's new handle and at Taisefu. Next week is Boston Week, and next week is also April. That's something to look forward to. A new month. The end. Mm-hmm.